This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today on our show, we're going to go through a little bit about our background and of where HITS came from, who's all involved in HITS. I'm excited about this show because I've seen uh, you know, different uh, shows popping up here and there. And I think when I look at what we as a group, uh, as far as myself, Ted Dowse, Jeff Barrett, and Andy Wyman bring to our industry, I'm proud of our backgrounds. And I thought if we just take a quick show to kind of introduce ourselves in a, in a more formal way than maybe we have at some of the shows, tell, us about, tell you guys about our backgrounds and then also uh, how we started this uh, uh, seminar and then where the seminar is going to go in the future, hopefully. So with that, I'll, I'll just start with myself. Um, I've been a dog handler now for since uh, mid-90s. And uh, sometime around uh, early 2000s, I had this idea to start a magazine and knew nothing about magazines and thought it'd be a cool thing to have a, a magazine for police dogs. There, there was nothing like it in the country. The associations had their, their own journals in a magazine format, but there was not any magazine that kind of uh, encompassed all the different associations and went all across the country. So I just kept thinking it'd be a, a really cool thing to do. The, that's a, a time where ignorance, ignorance is bliss because I had no idea how hard of a, a project that was going to be. Luckily, I, I found some good consultants who told me I was crazy for not being in the magazine business and wanting to get into it. But either way, I forged ahead, wrote up a business plan, which took me a couple of hours, a couple of hours, a couple of uh, years almost in the making to get everything off the, the ground, uh, write the business plan, get everything in line and, and really get ready to, uh, uh, start this magazine. And, and the magazine got up and ran running from uh, 2005 to 2014. I sold it to a competitor in 2014. Um, it was a great opportunity to, to learn a lot of things at the time. So in early 2002, right before, um, I was really starting to move on the magazine 2003, I think, Andy Wyman had been out here in, in Colorado teaching a, a dog class, a, a detector dog class. And at the time, I was working feverishly on trying to get a magazine going. Um, and I knew at the time I wanted to have a, a board of handlers and administrators from all over the country and indeed all over the world, if I could, to get a lot of different voices in, involved in the magazine. So when I first met Andy, I'd never met him before. He came and taught a class. And I was real impressed with the, the knowledge he had, the experience he had. He had taught classes all over the North America for, for detector dogs. And I made some notes right then, like put him on the list to call. I think I got a little bit lucky because it was probably, I don't know, Andy, I think it was six months later when I called you. But I think what made it a little lucky is I had a, a pretty nice little dog. So I remember I, I called you, Andy. And uh, when I called you, I said, hey, this is Jeff Meyer. I'm from Denver. And you had no idea who I was. <laughs> but when I said, you know, I had, I had that little red uh, Malinois there in Denver named Turbo. And luckily, I, th I think when you have a dog like that, he stands out a little bit. So I think that jogged your memory. Yep, I remember that dog. He was, he was fantastic. 
Yeah, and what was fun about that is, is he was a nice dog, and I think I was doing good stuff with him, and you came by and threw out some pointers, and, and I went from, you know, from whatever, a seven to a nine, you know, in just a few days, and, and that's that's why I thought, you know, this guy's going to be my first call. So I called you, kind of explained what I was doing, and I'm sure, you know, you were skeptical because here's just some dumb dog handler saying, I'm going to start a magazine, and, and it seemed like a, a almost a pipe dream, but I think after we talked for a while and I explained to you, at the time, I'd already hired a magazine consultant. I had hired an editor. I was getting really, really pretty close to, to going. So I think that made it a little, I don't think you were quite as skeptical after we talked for a little while. No, no. At, at first I thought, wow, that's a big, uh, that's a big jump, you know, going from never having done it before to all of a sudden doing a magazine. And of course I knew nothing about it. So I thought, wow, uh, this, you know, how is this going to get pulled off? You know, but, uh, I, you know, the ambition and the, and the need for it, you know, um, was there. So I thought, well, that's fantastic. You know, why not be part of that? I mean, that just sounds like uh, the right way to go, the best thing to do. So, um, and I'll say, I think, awesome. at the, I think at the time, um, my impression of, of the canine industry was we were pretty fractured. You know, you were either in one camp or another camp or one association or another association. And that was one of the things that I, I liked about what you, when I met you is you weren't, you weren't, uh, you didn't, you didn't strike me that way. You seem like, you know, if there's a good way to train, I'm going to teach it. If there's a good way to train and I don't know what I'm going to learn it. And I don't really care who you belong to or what you do or whatever. And, and that was kind of the philosophy that I wanted to start with the magazine. It seemed like you, you were on board with that even before I ever talked to you about it. Yeah, that's exactly how I learned. You don't, uh, if you pigeonhole yourself, if you think there's only one way of getting something done, you just, you never expand or grow. And, and that's, that's just not a good way to learn. So yeah, my, my goal in my whole career, and, and as most people I think are, um, they, they want to get better and better. And to do that, you have to have an open mind and really listen to other people and, and try new things. Cause yeah. you never know. Um, if you don't try it, you'll never know whether it's beneficial for you or not. And, um, so you, you give it a try. So I, I remember that phone call and I remember you, you coming down in 2004, I think it was to one of our conferences. Um, we were having a conference in Orlando at the time. Um, it wasn't, uh, we didn't call it hits then. It was just uh, but it was similar. We had a room or two going and I think we had two vendors or maybe three vendors that had a few tables. It was looking back on it now. It kind of makes me laugh, but uh, we did. You a, a, somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. We had like a, a day and a half maybe, or two days worth of uh, classes. And, um, and I remember you came down and you said, Hey, it would it be okay if I mention about the, uh, I'm starting this magazine. And I'm like, of yeah. course, uh, of course. And we, we talked about it with a group of about 140 handlers that were at that, that seminar and man, there wasn't a person who thought that was going to be a bad idea. I mean, yeah. everybody came up to you and wanted to know how they could get it and when was it going to come out and it kind of put you under the gun then, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fun. It was again, like I said, ignorance was bliss then because I had no idea what I was getting into. And, and what was really fun too, um, is I think people thought it was going to be a newsletter and when it turned out to be a regular looking professional magazine, uh, you know, I just think the stars lined up right for me because I had a consultant who was excited about it that I really couldn't afford, but she jumped in and, and helped. And I got an editor from Better Homes and Gardens that I also couldn't afford, but she she was excited. So everything worked out well then. And once we uh, really got ready to roll in the magazine, that's when you introduced me to 
Jeff and Ted. Yep. The, yeah, Ted was a huge part of uh, getting that first conference off the ground. He was uh, um, couldn't have done it without him. He was uh, doing majority of the work, really. I, I I thought I was, but after looking back on it, he did a, a ton of stuff to keep it going. And uh, and Jeff was right there with us doing the same stuff. So um, uh, it was a uh, it was a good time to get started, and, and none of us knew exactly what to do with that magazine. <laughs> Yeah, we hadn't written articles. Um, well, in fact, if you, I don't know if you remember, we did a, a sample issue to send out, um, just a like an eight-page sample issue. And Ted, you wrote the first article. I don't know if you remember that, Ted. You wrote the very first article that we used. I'm getting too old issue. to remember that far back. Yeah, we you you wrote an article, and then we put. I think it was about a. I don't know if it was eight. I think it was an eight-page sample issue, and a lot of it was to send out to advertisers and. And then I had to start calling advertisers and telling them about this magazine that didn't exist and, and convince them to uh, pay me advertising money for something they hadn't seen, didn't know if it would work, and knew that I was just a dumb dog handler trying it. And thank goodness our industry supported it on that end, too, because that was the, the key. So, so we got the magazine, got a couple issues out, and you guys had done the, the first conference down in Florida. And I remember I went down to it, and I thought – you know, this is a, a really good idea and it just seemed like, you know, the next step would be to, to merge these two together. Cause I, th- by then I'd had, uh, you and you and, uh, Andy and Ted both were on the board for the magazine and Jeff, you'd written a real funny article early on. So everybody was involved in the magazine and you guys had your, your deal going down there. So it seemed like a pretty natural fit. Yeah. I can remember Ted researching a bunch of addresses for different police agencies so that we could send them little uh, yep. announcement flyers and folding those things up by hand and uh, trying to do all the graphics ourselves just to get the word out because we didn't really have a mailing list and what you know we started from the ground up and uh, that's what we've been doing ever since is uh, growing this thing so well, the industry didn't really exist, I think, uh, back then. No. I mean, the industry of canine obviously existed, law enforcement canine, selling dogs, selling dog equipment, that kind of thing existed, But uh, and, of course, training. But it was fractured, as you described, uh, you know, with your intention to start in the magazine. It was very fractured uh, in different parts of the country, had different people they went to. And, and uh, you know, you, you didn't get the the exchange of information enough and uh when we decided we thought we would try to make a conference big enough that brought you know all the groups together and everybody we could find together with all different kinds of opinions and and training ideas um it was something that never had been done and uh you know it's a daunting task you know uh, back in the day <laughs> a training seminar that i used to go to um was uh you know you you went and stayed at a holiday inn and you had you know 20 or 30 guys maybe that some local some from out of town and you had some hands-on training and maybe a an hour or two of talking in the classroom beforehand and and you went out and trained and uh you know you had an abandoned lot and uh, some cars and you know nothing really fancy maybe if you got really special and had some extra money they had a couple of kegs of beer someplace and some some donated pizzas here and there and things like that and you know we we decided we wanted to make this uh we thought handlers deserve more 
we thought they deserved better training and an, a larger group and opinion uh, uh, of instructors and and then treat them right put them in a comfortable place and make sure it's fun for them to go to and that they actually learn something while they're there so that was our goal uh, you know when we started and uh, the market for this has has jumped off I mean we have not only our conference but you know several others who have uh, emulated you know what flight we created word. there's a flight word <laughs> i'll go with copied <laughs> <laughs> what we've done and and uh we did you know um it was nice to start something like this that everybody seems to enjoy because regardless yeah. of whether you come to our conference or go to somebody else's conference um you enjoy the concept that we dreamed up back in 2004 and that's yeah. pretty cool you know and you look back on it 2020 hindsight's perfect and we could see now how when we would go teach the classes uh, and these guys would listen to us talk and we'd give them a new concept on how to train dogs that they'd never heard before, uh, we were slow then to realize that uh, they were in a bubble. So the only thing that they had heard for years is what they were what they were doing themselves. And we would teach a class and bring new concepts in. And so looking back on it, this was just a natural step for the magazine to develop and to bring people together for hits that had so many different views. And that's what you get when you come to hits is you'll hear me speak and then you'll hear someone else uh, have a different opinion on the same subject with different techniques. And uh, you you make up your own mind because some of those techniques uh, may not apply to every single dog. But, uh, you know, in days past, when we used to do those classes, we were bringing new stuff to the to the training fields, and it was an eye opener for them because they stayed in that bubble for so long. And now, and, and they were they were more resistant at that time. Yeah, very resistant. You know, some of the guys would actually come up and say, "We love what the what you're teaching and the ideas behind it," but in all reality, once you leave, we're probably going to have to stay with what we've already learned from somebody else. But uh, those things have changed so much over the years. Yeah, and I would I would think that's something that I that as a group we've probably helped, you know, to open people's mind and and realize there's a lot of different ways to to train dogs and there's a lot of different people who know a lot and between you know the publication when when we had it um, and now hits uh, and then this format I think we uh, we we've showed people that you know having an open mind in this industry is paramount. And and how many instructors do we have, Andy, coming this year? Uh. 41 maybe yeah where else are you going to have 41 different guys that you're able to to hear speak on a platform like this it's you know it was unheard of back then and it just works today so well it really made the market smaller if you will i mean uh, it brought you know people from the east coast to the west coast and the west coast to the east coast um it, it brought people the ability to um, you know, see other points of view and, and really, instead of having an idea that was so rare, it's pretty commonplace now for people to know some of the really best instructors in the country rather than just in your area. You know, people uh, and that with uh, buying dogs, I think, as well. You know, we we created this marketplace, if you will, of a vendor show and uh and it not only has helped the vendors, I'm sure, but uh, I think it has helped the attendees even more because they, you know, uh, I know from, in my experience back buying dogs in the 90s, you, you went to the place that was closest. 
Um, or maybe you read about somebody or heard about somebody from somebody else that you would go, you know, want to buy a dog from. And, uh, you know, now I think, uh, there's over, I think there's maybe 10 different places you could, uh, in just coming to hits that you can meet the vendor and watch their videos and talk to them about dogs and prices and where they get them from and how they train them and, you know, whether or not they've got a place for you to stay or whether they got to get a hotel and how their process works and will they come to you and what their guarantees are as compared to somebody else. And you could literally shop uh, from place to place to find the best deal, the one that works for you and not just be limited to, the guy that's closest down the street, you know? So, and I've been working dogs 30 years and I still get excited over the vendors that we have because I get to put my hands on the equipment and, you know, it's not something you see in the magazine or online. Uh, you're putting your hands on that leather or the, uh, you know, the product and getting to talk to the people that put it together. But I get excited because there's things that I see there that I just passed up on the internet or never even knew existed, but yet I get to see it. Yeah, and hear, hear the methodology behind it. Yeah, exactly. And then there's other people that are probably using that quite frequently that, uh, you know, in my region we never used before. And uh, I get to bring something new to my to my guys that they've never seen. Jeffrey, I, you just uh, mentioned something that I want to I kind of hit on here. You mentioned you've been working dogs 30 years. 30 years, yeah. My first dog I got in May in 1988 was the first dog. And, uh, How many dogs have you, did you work in 30 years? <laughs> I've had 10 dogs. Uh, sometimes dogs. You know, it was like a, a Chinese I want to know how many dogs yeah, yeah. dated in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. You, you, married, you married a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, over the years, it's a, probably an impossible number to tell me for sure, but you guys did um, a lot of hands-on training through uh, the college. When That's when I first met Andy. You've trained many, many dogs down there in your area. You've handled your dogs and stuff. Give me a ballpark number of how many dogs you have trained in real life. Even And I, that would include you know three or four-day seminar where you've made a difference in, in that team by giving them some some uh, advice or whatever. Andy, Andy, how many years did we work for the college over there? Uh, I started with the college in 1996 and I did it up until 2012, maybe. Yeah. So I think I got started doing that in 2002. So about 10 years. And you're looking at, we were doing anywhere from 10 to 16 of those classes a year around the country. Yeah. And we would have 20 or 25 uh, students yeah. per class. Yeah. Unless we went a long way away, like to Hawaii or something, they sometimes uh, made the class even bigger. Puerto Rico was even bigger. It yeah. was more in the 40 and so, 50 range. So throw out a number, Jeff. What do you think for, for that? Oh, How many dogs have you gosh. trained? Thousands, you know, at least 2,000. Teams. Yeah, that, and that's probably Two, conservative probably, over yeah. the years. And, I, and I've done them from, you know, the patrol to the detector. And yeah. I've run them from anywhere from 10-week schools to three- or four-day conferences. Yeah. And, yeah. you so know. A, a little problem-solving. You and I have done a couple of really unique classes. We did that stress inoculation class we did up in, yeah. in Michigan. You know, I, was, I just left the uh, Idaho Police Canine Association last week. And, um Anytime you go to a seminar, if you just pick up one little technique and, and take that home, you're so excited over that one technique. And 
I just taught a, a simple liftoff uh, technique with the lead uh, that's so quick. And some of the guys had been using a, a, a liftoff that took too long, and uh, the dogs were just getting really frustrated over it. And so I showed them a different technique, and they were just very excited about learning that one simple technique. Of all the things I had to teach, that one was the thing that they loved the most of all the new stuff that they learn. And so, you know, it makes me uh, happy to pass that along. But, uh, you know, I, and they, I think they had 40, 50 dogs there. So, you know, I got to do a lot of problem solving with uh, those groups. You learn learn when you're doing that yourself too. I do. Absolutely. That's right. And I'd like to listen to the guys, you know, and see where they're, where they're at and the problems that they have, how they fix them. Absolutely. Andy, how many years have you had a leash in your hand? 25. 25 years. 25 I mean, years as a dog handler and uh, 32 years as a cop. So, 32 as a cop. Yep. How many uh, dogs have you worked yourself? Uh, five. Five uh, in that. Five different ones in that time. Yeah. 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 And then same question. I know it's a hard number, but how many uh, dogs do you think between all? I know you train a lot of dogs with your agency and around there, and then so you have the same experience where you've done from you know, a green dog to certification with a team to some just a couple of days here and there. But how many dogs do you think you've seen and and over the years? Thousands, really. I mean, uh, doing that uh, class, it was uh, MCTFT out of Tampa uh, for, with the de- Department of Defense. Yeah, maybe yeah. even more because I did it from 96 to like 2012, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you figure you can do some math there and figure it out. But it's probably three, three, three to 4,000 different uh, people and, and handlers over that time, uh, different problems. Everybody had a little something, different issues. A lot of people had very common issues that, uh, that made problem solving that much better. And uh, I got to yeah. tell you, I can't uh, uh, thank them for having me there. And Frank Campbell, believe it or not, uh, I really thank Frank for, for putting me on to help me teach yeah. uh, with him and get that going. Uh, I learned so much during that time, as Jeff said, you know, when you go and you, you bring a new idea, it's wonderful to see them take it and actually use it and it works for them. But uh, it's even more a benefit to me to see the dogs and see the issues and then try to figure out a way to, uh, to make them better. And, and you learn as you go through that every time. And it just, with each experience, you get better and better at it. So I was very, very fortunate, very, very fortunate to do yeah. that. You know, and then myself, I've been a handler now for over 22 years. I've handled uh, four different dogs. I did patrol dogs, and the patrol dogs I did a dual-purpose uh, drug uh, uh, patrol dog, did a couple single-purpose patrol dogs, lots of success with them. And then I was fortunate enough of a couple of years back to be able to get tapped on the shoulder, and I got to go start a brand-new unit of, of bomb dogs in our city. So now I've, I've trained and deployed and, and certified and, uh, you know, both patrol, dark and bomb dogs. So I feel real fortunate. You know, I've had a great career and in 30 years, I've had something to do with the dogs and, uh, you know, there's a decoy or with the leash in my hand, pretty much my entire career. So I feel real fortunate. And I think doing hands-on classes and all the different, uh, people around here that I do problem solving with, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out that number, but I know I'm probably in that 1500 dog range where I've done, you know, had some influence on those teams, you know, either over long-term or short-term. So when I add that all up, I've got 77 years of leash experience, of of handler experience with leash in your hand, 19 dogs and easily 6,000 or more dogs. And then Ted, 
how long have you been a, a prosecutor? Uh, going on 28 years. 28 years. Probably a hard number, but how many of, uh, uh, roughly, how many bad dudes have you put in prison? Oh, well, I mean, the vast majority of my career um, was in drug trafficking. And down here in Florida, we're pretty stiff. We have uh, three years, seven, 15, and 27, and life minimum mandatories. And most of my career, I spent only doing the seven, 15, 25, and life yeah. minimum mandatories. So um, virtually, you know, you know, absent losing a case, random case yeah. here and there uh, due to knuckleheaded jurors. But, uh, you know, everybody's catching time down here in Florida. I mean, I, honest to God, I, I couldn't. I've had well over 200 jury trials. So, um, and I don't know. I mean, it's got to be three or four or five, 6,000 yeah. people I probably put yeah. in prison. Yeah. So I guess my point of saying all this is that when we look at, you know, 77 years of uh, handlers and, 19 dogs and 6,000 dogs that we've, we've influenced, you know, hands on. And then a prosecutor with 28 years of experience put hundreds or actually not hundreds of thousands of bad dudes in jail. And as an expert in search and seizure, I'm damn proud to be part of this organization. And, and I don't think, uh, you know, although I see advertising that says otherwise, I don't think a lot of uh, places have the background of the actual real world experience that we do when you add it all up. I agree. Uh, the funny part is, is uh, we all still have a leash in our hand too. This exactly. isn't uh, when uh, when uh, some people mention about training and, and uh, training a dog. It was what they did when they were still working. And uh, I know for one that uh, tomorrow I'll be in a in my car back out on the street and working the exactly. dog just like everybody else. And I know Jeff and. Uh, you and Jeff uh, will both do the exact same thing, and Ted will be right back in the office prosecuting cases. So, um, you know, we're we're active. We're still here. We're still doing it, and uh, we've got the same experiences as the attendees to our conference do um, to relate to. But you know, even if we don't recognize that uh, each and every time we sit down to talk about classes, it's just in us now. You know, we know what we want uh, as a handler. We know what we want to listen to. And, uh, we want to learn something new. And so it just kind of comes uh, as second nature to us, really, to be able to pick these classes and the instructors that we want to have come to hits. And I think that's one one of the big keys to our success is that we do it because that's the way we would want to learn ourselves. You know, So we pick what we would want uh, to listen to and to learn from. And to be honest, we try to be picky. I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean that be arrogant, but uh, we look for new classes, novel classes, and you know, you just don't call up one of the four of us and say, hey, I'd like to lecture, because we vet our lectures, we make sure that they're teaching valuable information, that they are good speakers, and you know, occasionally somebody comes across our path that you know didn't do uh, what we wanted them to do or didn't speak as well or got way off topic or did an infomercial and we just don't invite those people back. So it's the bottom line is for those that are listening is that we care and we want quality. We try to put out a quality product. You just, you're not just coming to hits and lecturing because, uh, 
you were the third person to call us. And so therefore we said, oh, sure, why not? You know, we ask questions about new people. We try to figure out who's who's who in the industry and who's doing a good job. So it benefits anybody that comes to our seminar. Oh, and we listen to, we listen to the guys that come as well. I mean, uh, the surveys, you know, that, those are important to us. And so we look at what people have to say when they sit in the class and the value that, uh, of the, the instructor, uh, that's given to them on the surveys by the people who listen to them. So substance, you know, is so important to us. It's not, and again, I think, I think our experience there leads to understanding the substance. I, I blows me away that there's people that have never, ever, ever been a dog handler doing what we're doing. Some have never even met a cop or they have, you know, different backgrounds that, that, no one would be proud to associate with doing what we're doing. And they're, you know, other than uh, going through our uh, Rolodex after we put up instructors, they're, you know, kind of going blind trying to figure out who to, who to have at their seminars and stuff. So again, I, that, I think that experience that we have, I'm proud of. Yeah. Well, those that, you know, um, if you can't uh, understand what an instructor is going to teach and know how it would apply to your attendees, to your audience that's coming, uh, it's difficult for you to pick who's going to come. And, you know, by having the experience we have, we can absolutely uh, figure that out. And, and if you don't, you run another conference like it, you're probably just going to copy what uh, everybody else does. And, uh, and, and we also know for a fact that in some of those other seminars, that they uh, those those instructors pay their own way. They do everything. They pay every cent to be there. And what they're pitched is come out here and you can stand up in front of this big group and you can do an infomercial. And I don't blame them. I'd do an infomercial if I paid my own way. So it's a different business model, basically. You know, they uh, it, pretty much anybody anybody can go to those a lot of those other seminars if they'll pay their own way. There isn't uh, many people that get turned down for it. And we're always open for new instructors too, though. Um, you know, we we want uh, diversity. We want that uh, new idea. We want that person who's you know trying something or came up with something that would. Uh, you know, that we haven't thought of or, or that has worked for them and it may work for somebody else. We want to make sure we, we find them, you know, as best we can. So we're always out hunting. If anybody's got any of our ideas or knows of somebody who wants to teach and has some great ideas, you know, we're always looking uh, for that extra new person to put out. And that includes the uh, United States or international. So we, we've got uh, some speakers coming from, uh, across the pond so to speak and we've had uh, so if you know anybody out there and uh, that might be listening in australia or england or in europe um you know and they might make a good speaker uh let us know send us an email and that's a lot of times of how we really get our uh, our speakers i mean we uh, on a personal level we can only make so many seminars a year and i know that i've asked uh several uh, speakers that I've listened to over the years uh, instruct to come and teach at HITS, but uh, we've gotten so many more from people who have referred it, referred exactly. the speakers to us, and that's important to us is that, you know, we don't make them all. We don't make all the, uh, the seminars that are out there, and if you've heard somebody that speaks really well and has a, a good foundation on whatever it is they're teaching, you think it would be uh, something everybody else would listen to, I think. Give us a call. I think that would be uh, very interesting to us. 
Absolutely. But, but we can't get them all in every year. I want to make sure anybody who's listening knows that. Uh, we, we try. But there's only so many speaking spots. And uh, as many, we do get a lot of people that want to speak. And we love it. We're glad that they do. We're, we're, we are honored to have them come and approach us and, and, and uh, want to speak at our event. We're, and we would love to have them if we had more space and more time. Uh, we would have them all. But uh, unfortunately, we only have a certain amount of space, which creates a certain amount of number of speakers. And those, you know, we have to we have to pick and choose those that, uh, you know, most important to the attendees based on surveys, communications that we had with people around the country. So we really take some time to try and, you know, make, make the best of your time as an attendee to our event so that we're not uh, giving you something off the wall, but we're actually giving you things that you can use. Um, exactly. So, well, guys, you know what? One of the things with this uh, hits podcast is we like to try and keep it 20, 30 minutes. So I think we've gone over, you know, kind of what sets us apart from maybe some other seminars and a little bit, uh, let the listeners know more about us and kind of how we, how we got to where we are. We've in each episode, we've talked a lot about what we got uh, going on at hits in August, uh, August 13th. We're going to be in Chicago. If you go to hits canine.net, hits canine.net, you'll be able to see, all the classes we have, all the instructors, the bios of all the instructors, our bios are on there. If you want to read a little bit more about what we've done in our careers, um, see all the vendors were sponsored by Yukaduba this year. We have a hundred vendors there. So it's going to be a large event, lots of networking opportunities, lots of opportunities to learn new ideas, uh, lots of opportunities to, to uh, see all the industry's leading vendors. We've got some vehicles that you can check out hands-on to you know a vehicle with a car insert and stuff is a little unusual so it makes it uh it's really a, a unique event in the the scope that we were able to provide so hopefully we'll see everybody out there in chicago uh still have a little bit of time for early registration all of us will be listed here in the show notes anybody who has any questions that wants to uh email any of us individually we like the feedback we like to uh feedback on the show we like to have any ideas for either the show or what, what we can do better for hits so with that uh jeff ted andy thanks for jumping on today i think uh hopefully everybody got a little out of this and we will see everybody on the next show thanks to our listeners thank you bye hits radio is brought to you by the professionals at hits training and consulting don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.